0: Welcome to episode 18 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. been a couple of weeks since we've been here. Hope you haven't missed us too much. I'm your host, Michael McCall, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Steve Pander.
1: Hello, everybody out there.
0: Now, we had tried recording this about an hour or so ago, but unfortunately, I told Steve that I could murder an Indian. That phrase doesn't seem to be used over here, he ran out of the house screaming, and it's taking me this long to get him back in.
1: Yeah, it was scary especially the look in his face, the look at his eyes and everything. It was
0: really googly. Uh, talking of things that make you kind of want to run away screaming. Let's let's start with that horror show that was White Cap Shivas on Sunday. What what did you make of that?
1: Well, it was definitely a horror show for the first half. It just didn't seem like they were they I don't know if they didn't they took them like lightly the Shivers team. Uh, I'm not sure, especially those first 15 minutes like that clearance that Andy O'Brien had in the first, on that first goal, was just like typical of season one and season two, just right up in the air. Nobody else goes for it, and then Eric Torres scores possibly the goal of the year, and it was a bicycle kick from out, almost outside the box, which is something a goalie should be able to get to. Like, you were your, your thoughts? Do you think Ostead should have got that?
0: I I definitely think Usted should. I he seemed either caught him by surprise, he was rooted to the line, whatever, his reactions just weren't there. Now, the Andy O'Brien clearance, when I first saw it, my initial reaction was it was completely all on O'Brien, but watching it again, listening to Kenny Miller's comments after the game as well, Miller made the very good point that O'Brien hits it in the air and it's hanging there for like two or three seconds, nobody else reacts, nobody closes in, Torres is just all by himself, and as Miller said, that's unacceptable. You cannot defend like that in top-flight football against a a guy, he's maybe not a world-class striker yet, but he's certainly been showing the signs, he's been banging the goals in, he's been one of the most informed guys in MLS, and you leave him unmarked to do what he wants, and that finish was just outstanding.
1: And the thing is, is the um, other than you know what happened just around the goal area, um, I thought that the cross, uh, Alvarez. I think he was the one that sent in the cross. Was just giving too much space, and that's been uh, that's hampered them the whole year long. Where the people are giving too much space to send in a, a free cross into the box, where people are able to convert it, which happened obviously on the second goal as well.
0: Now, before that second goal, Kenny Miller was put through beautiful like lob over the Shivas defense from Matt Watson, set him through great control by Miller. He did everything right. Except put the ball in the back of the net Hits it outside of the post Do you think he should have done better with that? Or did he do the best he can Because of the angle that Kennedy had given him? I
1: think it was the angle But I think also that if you give him uh, ten tries He probably gets it in seven of them uh, Seven times It was just one of those times where he just hit the post
0: It could have probably been the game changer Because I think if the Caps had scored there The whole momentum would have shifted
1: it would have been like the game previously with
0: yeah. where, where they scored that goal, they scored a second goal right after that. Yeah. I
1: think Shivas would have completely buckled over, but that second goal gave him confidence.
0: I, I mean, I I, th- I think that as well. And that, that second goal as well, Torres, Andy O'Brien could not handle Torres. No. And th- for me, that was one of the biggest worries in the game. I wrote that I wrote about that in, in our blog post earlier this week on AFTN. But my concern about those goals and just how that first half went... Taurus ran Andy O'Brien ragged. Other teams are going to watch that game tape. They're going to see, okay, see if you run at the old guy. He's he's capable of of making mistakes and being all over the place. And they're going to look to exploit that. We've got the other possibility of Jay Demerit coming back as well soon. So you're going to have a really old central defensive pairing. Do you think going forward, Demerit O'Brien is the way that we should be going? Should we leave Leveron in there? Leveron, Mitchell, they seem to have been the most steady central back pairing in the last couple of weeks. How, how do you see that one going for for this kind of closing stretch? Do we keep the same guys for every game? Or do you think they're maybe going to change certain guys for certain games? Well, I think
1: those guys need more protection if they are going to use them. I think DeMar and O'Brien could work. They were working at end of last season quite well. But I think they need more protection. But my question for you, uh, I'll, I'll turn this back on you as well. The, the Kofi, everybody's talking about how Kofi's all over the pitch. Did he protect the backline uh, effectively? Or was it uh, a case of not being in the right place on those two goals?
0: Possibly not. But the thing is, he had to step up. That That's the problem. When you're playing with a midfield that is as weak as we have in attacking options... Now, I, I like Matt Watson. I thought he had a really good game on Sunday. I like what he brings to the table. I know certain fans don't. Certain people... Always have him as the scapegoat. They don't think he offers much. He gives the ball away too much. I like his play, but he's a defensive player, really. He's a he's a guy that's going to hold on to the ball. He's not going to create tons. He did set up that chance for Miller, but he isn't going to create loads. So because he was in on Sunday and Rio Coker was missing through that stupid suspension that he picked up, Kofi had no option but to push forward. And it then... Leaves that big hole at the back. And for all June Marcus Davison's faults, and I know he's got a lot of haters out there, he doesn't step out of that position and he gives those guys coverage. Maybe should we be looking at bringing him back? No,
1: or if you do use and O'Brien, do you move Leveron up to the holding midfield, which a lot of people, some people say he can do it, some people say he can't do it. I personally think he can because he showed in the Olympics he could. Um, do you think they put him there instead of even Davidson and move Kofi and Rio Coker as the attacking central mid guys in front
0: of him? Well, I mean, that's something we've talked about in the podcast before and we've written about it. I'd, I'd like to see it. Something I threw out there just as a bit of a wild card one last week do we have the players that would let us go 3 5 2 with Leverin, O'Brien, and Demerit as your back three and having Lee? Kind of playing right back, right wing really pushing up, and Harvey kind of playing more in left midfield as opposed to left back and dropping back when needed, then having real Coker, Kofi, and a other in the middle yeah
1: that could work. I like that idea I'm not sure if uh, it would if Harvey plays that defensive role uh, attacking role effectively. Sometimes he goes missing when he goes up top. I know he's banged in quite a few goals, but sometimes he does go missing. And would he be able to shift back? I think it would really work with Lee.
0: And if you don't have to rely on Harvey going back and forth, I think that could work. I think it would be a little bit out of the box. And that's something that I feel the Whitecaps have to do now. They have become so predictable that they need to try and do something different. They're playing conference opposition that they've played a couple of times already this year. They've watched all the game tapes of all the other games. They know how the Whitecaps play. Everyone knows how Russell Tybert's going to play. He's going to cut back. He's going to put it to his other foot. He's going to cross it over. Camelo even. He's going to cut inside. He's going to take a shot. Miller's going to do a lot of running. Rio Coker is going to like put his head down and just bulldoze through and then get in a good position and not score. Side note. Who is the worst finisher? Nigel Rio Coker, Eric Hurtado. Eric Hurtado. Moving on. So you you know how these guys are going to play. Everyone knows that these how these guys are going to play, and and sometimes when you've got a fast player like Manny or Matix when he was playing well, you know how he's going to play, but it's hard to play against that. These guys like Tiber and Camillo and Rio Coker, we know how they're going to play, and it's quite easy to play against that.
1: Yeah, and I. I just don't know what they can do at this point because there's really, I know you want to say there's some depth there, but really the depth is very untested. And so do you really want to go with young players and try to replace some of these veterans that maybe aren't performing as well? I think you just got to go with the best lineup at this point. And like like to your point about the three five two, sometimes they even play like that. With when Davidson was in, um, they would Davidson would basically be a third center back, and then they push up on the wings. That's why I think if Leveron plays that holding midfield role, you push up on the wings, and sometimes Leveron pushes up. So so you have options there. So I think that would be they got to be more fluid in their attack and not be so rigid like uh, Rennie has been accused of in the past.
0: Oh, I mean totally, and I think. The next three road games which we're going to come to later in the show, that's going to it's gonna be the making of Martin Rennie and how good his tactics are, how he can mould the squad that he's got. A lot of people I've been speaking to feel that we have got one of the most talented squads in MLS. I don't believe that at all. I just don't think we have a strong enough squad. I think we've got some really talented individuals and we've got some of the best players that's in the Western Conference. But playing as a team, sometimes they struggle.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that that could be the case of people being hurt and not being able to train effectively uh, and train together. Also, they keep swapping people back and forth. So I, I think th- those are probably the biggest issues. The injuries are probably one of the biggest issues that why maybe they don't look at team-like. They, and the suspensions, of course, you got those as well. So those things are, you know, factors in why they maybe you're like you're saying that they're playing like individuals
0: and not a team. Now we were talking before the show, and and you mentioned that you thought O'Brien because he hasn't he's been out for so long and he hasn't been training as long with Usted, you maybe feel some of the communications not there.
1: Yeah, I th- I think that before he got hurt and Knighton was in net and Cannon was in net, O'Brien was usually the leader of the back line. He would be communicating. Who's got what? Who's got what assignments and everything like that? Usted is also a communicator, so he came in when O'Brien was out. So obviously, Usted's now now he's shouting instructions and everything way more than Knighton used to. So maybe there is kind of a I don't know if a conflict or just a overlapping of instructions and maybe it's confusing the marker of uh, for the defender. So I don't know. You said you 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 guys saw something. Um, during the Chivas game, and I think Martin Ago, Mike martinego tweeted something out about it. You,
0: yeah, there, there was a stoppage in the first half. I think it was a Chivas guy was down getting treatment or whatever, and all the Whitecaps players were over at the bench. And Andy O'Brien was really yelling at Martin Rennie, and from up in the press box, you couldn't really tell what it was on, but you knew it was quite heated. It was it was obvious that he wasn't happy about something. And Mike martinego had tweeted out that he was basically saying, what about the marking? Like, there needs to be better protection. People need to, to know their marking better. And that's a concern. If he's pointing out that the whole defence doesn't know who they're marking, who they're meant to be picking up, you're not going to defend good.
1: No, and there were there have been examples of that, like the Portland game, when people, uh, just coming out of the half, nobody, everybody, all the central defenders were all over the place. Mitchell and Leveron were caught up and... Lee was marking Ryan Johnson it was an easy header passes so that's one example obviously um, LA there was some confusion with that sh- what was going on there too so there definitely have been examples of some confusion with the marking
0: well after the Shivas game I know we haven't really covered because we haven't done a podcast so we haven't really covered Colorado and LA so before actually before we move on to what I was going to move on to what is your quick thoughts on those two games I know they're kind of in the past now but what is your thoughts on it? Uh, well, obviously the, they haven't won since they beat San Jose
1: two nothing. So the, everybody had high hopes for them going into Colorado. I thought, I personally thought that they had a chance to win that game. I thought uh, a draw. Yeah, I thought they had a chance to win. I was, I was thinking a draw at least, right? But they came in there and showed nothing at all. It seemed like they were. I don't know if it was the altitude, what it was, but they seemed. But you know, you you play there so many times a season, they should be used to going in there you know, for the altitude somewhat, where they showed some kind of effort, but there was no effort right from the beginning. So uh, that was definitely an issue for them. And then the LA game, obviously, uh, by all accounts, they outplayed them. Everybody kind of agrees that with that. But then the early goal was the one that really shot them down. And, you know, they buckled down and held on to, you know, for the win and everything like that. So...
0: Yeah, I I mean, I I draw... They definitely held their own against LA. And they put in a, a good... Struggle to say the word team performance because of what we were just saying. But they did. They put in a, a good performance. They should at least have got a point out of it. They, they did well. They lost the early goal. And you think after that, it would really drive them on against Shivas, And they just came out so flat. I don't think it was a case of them underestimating them. I just think Shivas are a really good side. And after the game, Martin Rennie said that he expects Shivas to take points off other teams in the run-in. I think they will as well, but as I wrote in, in the article that I was mentioning, the points that they're going to take is probably not going to help the Whitecaps because the teams that they're playing, they're playing two teams in the East, they're playing LA, Seattle, and it's, you just can't really see them helping. They played Seattle tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday evening. They played Seattle tonight. And yeah, they only lost 1-0. They outshot Seattle in the second half, but ultimately Seattle got the job done. And the Whitecaps didn't on Sunday. So coming up now for the Whitecaps is a vital three-game road trip. So will this be a road trip to hell or a road trip to heaven? We're going to find out in a couple of weeks' time. We've got Dallas coming up on Saturday, then San Jose, then Montreal. It's three really tough games. Personally, I feel we have to get at least four points, maybe five, maybe even more from those games if we really want to be in the playoff mix. We spoke to some of the players after the game on Saturday. Before we talk about stuff, let's hear the thoughts of first Kenny Miller and then David Ousted.
2: All the time will tell that's I mean, let's, let's be honest, whether we won this game or lost the game, I think we we're still going to have to go on the road and get points. And that was just, uh, I think that was there for all to see. So uh, only time will tell if we, can, if we can put that kind of run together. I mean, it's, we've definitely got the players, we've definitely got the ability to, to go and do it. But it's, about, uh, it's not about standing here and talking about it, it's about going away to, to Dallas next week, to San Jose after that and to Montreal after that and actually going out and, and crossing that white line and, and performing enough and well enough to go and get the results that we need. Because you're right, we're going to have to, I mean, let's be honest, we'll probably need more than one win. We're going to need a, a few points to make sure we're, we give ourselves a chance going in that last five games. Because this is a hitting this three-game run on the road is a that's no great timing for us. But uh, it's something we're going to have to get our head down, get a game plan, and go away. And we're going to have to get the get the right results because it's going to be if you don't, then you could pretty much say the playoffs will be will be tough to make if we don't pick up the, a few points in the next three games. So we need to learn from our mistakes and going on the road now. Uh, I think we have a, a tough task. I think uh, we need to, to to win a few games on the road to to get back into it.
0: So that was Kenny Miller and David Usted's thoughts on what they need to get from this road trip, and it, it's kind of it's refreshing because so many of the players were like, "Oh, I think we can get three points, or we can take something from that." But Miller was really realistic there. He he knows we need more than three points. He's played at the top. He knows what it takes to get into playoffs and and postseason games. And he knows that that's not going to be good enough. How do you see these three road games going, Steve? What do you think the Caps need to take from these?
1: I think a minimum in order to stay stay even in playoff contention, they need a minimum four points out of those three games. And where would you
0: like them to come from?
1: I think the best chance, and I know this kind of sounds crazy, but they have done well against Eastern Eastern Conference opponents. I think they can probably get three points out of Montreal. It is a, a derby derby match or whatever you want to call it, rivalry. And they can they can take a little bit of uh, revenge factor over losing the Voyagers Cup if, if they cared about it at all. I'm not sure if they did. They could take a little bit of a revenge factor there. Uh, the the one point, I think, best chance is probably San Jose. Uh, just because you never know what kind of San Jose team is going to show up. True. And, and then the uh, Dallas is the one I'm not sure about because they've never had really any success in Texas at all. Um, they did have a little glimmer of hope against Houston, but that kind of went away earlier in the season. But it's the Dallas game that I'm most worried about getting any points of. So that's why I'm thinking Montreal 3 San Jose won, but I personally think that's a minimum they need. I think in order to even be uh, have a chance to playoffs, I think they should go for six at least.
0: the The Dallas game It's going to be interesting. You you were mentioning something I'd completely forgotten about, which was Blas Perez is not going to be there on Saturday, and he's been playing really well for Dallas, so that could play in the White Caps' hands a little. Do you think Martin Rennie's going to go back to his defensive ways on the road and just try and hold out as best that they can for a draw?
1: No, I think they should go out and play this game like they're down 2 nothing in a 2 like final or whatever like that, and they just go out and attack and they have nothing to lose. I personally think they, they should do that because why not play some reverse psychology on the team that they're playing against? Dallas is going to be expecting that them to hold back and not go for anything because yes, that's been their... That was, that's been their modus operandi, if that's the right way to say it. Um, that's uh, that's been the, that that's been what they do on the road. Um, uh, sit back, look for a counter. Why not go out and surprise them and actually attack? Yeah, because go the, for the best results they had them.
0: on the road is when they've done like like in New York, they surprised everyone by playing quite attacking football. Yeah, and then they went on that spell where they picked up some points on the road and. In Kansas City and... Seattle, even, even though yeah. they lost to Seattle, it was yeah, still an it, attacking type of game. So, I mean, that could... I I, I just can't get myself out of this kind of pessimistic mindset at the moment that we're going to lose all, all three of these games. It's that
1: time of the year for you, I would say. I, I, now, think, I was going to say it's that time of the month, but it's not really the can't count on that. No,
0: but <laughs> it kind of feels like it. Yeah. I just... I really... I really struggle to see us getting anything. And... The San Jose game, now to me, this could have huge impact in the playoff. We're to, in a future show, hopefully a pretty soon future show, we're going to have a round table if we get things sorted out, another one of our round tables. We're going to kind of look at the season running and how we think teams are going to do and all that kind of stuff. But I think San Jose, looking at their fixtures, they're going to pick up a lot of points. We've got a chance, if we can beat them in San Jose, to almost kill their season. Because that could be a death blow for them. They get three points against us. They're going to be in a row. I think they're going to get three points this coming Saturday. That would be six. I can see them winning the game after that as well. Can't remember who they are off the top of my head. But those nine points would really set them up for this season running. And I think that's going to be one of our most crucial games. Even more than the Dallas game. I know we're tied with Dallas. I don't think we're going to get anything there. I just don't think we can play in Dallas. And I know we did well when we had to go there last year, about this time, and it was only that last ditch D-Roll goal that kind of was our undoing. To Guzman. Was it? D- oh, yeah, Dero. One of the D guys. I don't know, but one of the guys that we don't like because he's Canadian and doesn't play here anymore. You don't like. Him. I don't like anyone, but yeah. We came close last year. I just don't think we're going to do it this year. To me, San Jose's the crunch. And I I do agree with you. I could see us going to Montreal and maybe getting a point or even sneaking a 1-0 win. We have done it in the past. We've done it in Voyager's Cup games before. And just maybe this is going to be a team where you just expect it unexpected. We'll soon find out. So focusing just on Dallas now. How do you see that going on Saturday? What's your prediction for it?
1: I think that they can... Like I said, with Perez out, they don't have to... Work. Like, they, they got killed by Perez last game, last time they played him. Uh, with last... No, the one in Dallas. Last time they played in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, they got killed by him. So, because he's not there, there is that slight glimmer of hope. But I just don't see anything happening in Dallas. Um, unless they come out and totally fool everybody again. And, and pull out a game like they did in New York. So I I see that as a loss, probably, for sure. I. Is that definitive enough? Probably, for sure. I, that's, <laughs> I think that's probably.
0: <laughs> I think we're going to lose 2-0. And I know folk are probably fed up that I'm like Mr. Doom Gloom Merchant at the moment, which, yeah, I think kind of reading some of my blog posts and listening to this, I probably am coming across as that. But I like to think of it more as realism. And... Always expect the worst with your football teams, and if they do well, it really surprises you. I've kind of learned that over the years with East Fife.
1: I think, yeah, East Fife from Wimbledon too.
0: Yeah. Oh, Wimbledon's doing well. Fourth in League One. I oh, League Two. I'm thinking ahead. We're getting promoted. Now, moving away from the Whitecaps, let's talk about a couple of other MLS issues. There's been a bit of chatter this week on Twitter that... MLS may look at reducing the schedule down to 28 games to allow for more breaks for international games. Do you think that would be a good thing? Do you think it's workable? Or do you think it's all pie in the sky?
1: I think I see no way that it's happening, especially if MLS is in charge, because they are not going to be taking games away unless the, the players' union decides to cut their salary. There's no way they're taking uh, games out of, like, what's that, six games out of Seattle? No, no, three games out of Seattle. Yeah, but
0: during the regular season, they could then, of course, extend the postseason and have more teams in the playoffs and have more games for the big teams in the playoffs.
1: If that happens, then there's a possibility, but I don't see it happening. I think they will stay with the way it is. Uh, All you're doing is extending the season. Why not just have that break and play a regular season game then? I I don't see a difference in the other one
0: one or the other. I I I actually like it. I think it would it would work good because you would be looking at playing each team in the conference twice, and then each team in the other conference once. You'd, no,
1: I have no I have no problems with it. I I think I would like it too. It's just the season seems so long. You just don't feel like going to some games sometimes, right? Yeah.
0: Um. But but uh, they, they need to do something about the international stuff. It's absolutely ridiculous. The, and I know it's our opposition that's hit more than us, but it's ridiculous that teams are penalised for signing international players by then losing those players for crunch games. We're losing Russell Tybert this week. Yeah. He's maybe not been on the top form, but he's still a vital player for us. For sure. We're losing Darren Mattox as well. I mean, He's going to be posted missing on Saturday. Could argue he's been posted missing most of the season. Most but the season. We're, we're missing two guys, and who knows, we could get... Both our front guys injured and we need Tybert and we need Matic's and we don't have them because they're away on international duty and in Tybert's case, he's away in a stupid training camp playing a stupid team on the other side of the world. It's ridiculous, especially in a World Cup here and especially when America is the team that's kind of pushing for the World Cup that you do not have games called off. And I don't know if I've talked about this in a previous podcast, I know I've written about it, But in in the UK, I don't know if it's throughout Europe, but definitely in the UK, if you have three teams away on international duty, three players players away on international duty, your game is called off. And we had that in the second tier with these five and we had three Trinidad guys away. So if it can work for as low a division as that, a top division like MLS that wants to be top 25 in the world, they have to get this sorted. And a 28-game regular season would do that
1: it would do that but then you're like i said you're taking money out of their pockets uh, the owners pockets especially teams like seattle who get a lot of people and even because they're sharing everything it seems like the, the te- other teams would be be upset about that too so i, I just don't see it happening i think it should be it should it would be a good idea to work around it i still think you could fit a 34 game schedule
0: and still have international breaks other teams do it. you'd be having a lot of midweek games and that's what they seem to not want because the crowds just don't seem to turn up for them there was one It's about one, building the building it and everything like that. So you yeah. have to do it like that sometimes. The, there was, was one midweek it. thing, I think it was May or June, and the attendances were horrible. There was a lot of attendances that were under ten thousand and people just don't seem to want to turn up for the midweek game. So I think MLS are wanting to steer clear of that. Plus it's harder then for them to get in TV schedules as well because there's so many other things on. Well the, the thing
1: is you do more midweek games in the summertime or something like that, although you know people are away too there for those yeah. ones. So it's, it's a difficult time because they're they're scheduling their schedule the way it's set up is their most optimum time is to schedule games in the summer and that's when people usually travel and go on vacation.
0: Now I'm I'm not sure where this even came from, but I mean MLS have talked about it themselves in their own site Part of me thinks they're just kind of throwing it out there, just as a sounding board, just to kind of get the fan reaction. So it's going to be interesting to see if anything comes with this, or if it's just complete nonsense. Now before we wrap up for this week, I just want to touch on a couple of quick things. Sam be friend of the show, spoken to him a couple of times, we've talked about him so many times, finally on the MLS squad.
1: Uh, it was about time it was going to happen it even hinted a little bit to it and then retracted that uh, after a while uh, saying oh no I didn't mean the first team I just meant that I want to train with the first team and everything like that so uh, we all knew it was going to happen so it wasn't like big surprising news it was great to
0: hear though when I, it I actually think he's going to make a breakthrough next season. I, I think he will make the left back spot his own next season.
1: I think so too. I think the I think it would be wise for them to like because Jordan Harvey right now is on a high. Hopefully, people haven't seen him play a full, complete game and just seeing the stats and seeing how many goals he scored. And they could probably trade him. He's worth trade value. I'm, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like right now is the good time to trade him because you know that he doesn't play that like that regularly. He's not scoring that goal, that many goals. So why not get him? Uh, trade him back to California. He could be closer to Kimberly Caldwell. Um, and then he'd be back in his element and everything like that. So that that is definitely an option. I think uh, Sam can start. I personally think that if uh, the Seattle guy DeAndre Yedlin can play, I think Sam can play. He's proven it in playing so many reserve games too. Usually is one of their best defenders on the pitch.
0: As long as he doesn't go to blind hairdressers, we should be okay. Definitely. Who do you think is going to be the next guy to, to step up? A lot of talk, it could be Marco Bustos, could be Kian's Froze. Mark Weber seems to think it's going to be Froze.
1: I think it's going to be... I personally don't think it's going to be either of them. I only think that because I think they're going to give him a full year. I think if either one of those guys gets signed, they get signed around the same period of when Sam got signed this year. So I don't think either of them are going to sign. That's why I think there's a couple of guys, I think uh, if they want to, especially the developmental 21 through 30, I think a guy like Ben Fisk... Is still on their on their um, you know list. And I think this like that. is going to be the make
0: or break off season for Ben. Yeah. If they don't sign him now, then I think he's
1: I think he will be off to Europe. If, if yeah. He sign. I think this is a deadline right now. It's too bad he went through injuries this year. He, he had a huge big start to the season, but I think he is uh, good to get at least a one year contract minimum. Um, I think they should be able to give him that, especially considering that Russell Tyburn should be graduating from his homegrown
0: contract oh yeah he will be and what, so, what about bryce odison do we even keep bryce bryce
1: is i think i i'm not sure because he didn't get a super ton of minutes in charleston either um, i
0: i think he'll go i think he'll be released he
1: could either be released or could be maybe even traded to TFC, possibly uh, because they're looking possibly, to Possibly, says he's an
0: Ontario boy, isn't Ontario
1: boy, he could be Montreal, could be an option too. So there might be some value for them in a developmental role. I don't um, think
0: I would wish to like a
1: transfer no, to TFC I on would. anyone. Really, that would no. even heard from him yeah. more probably. But I think I think it he maybe ha- Darren You never know because like if things go south and Rennie's not here, then you know it could be a different guy, and he might. Well, be that's the here.
0: thing. Like if if Rennie does go and that will be something we'll talk about in the round table and you bring in a young new coach Jason Christ name that's been thrown out there a lot but if you bring in another coach he might want to go young he might want to develop these guys more than Rennie does yeah or you might if have a guy that's scared for his job. If and... you got,
1: if you have a guy like Frank Yallop come in, who's a Canadian who wants to bring in more Canadians, possibly maybe because he's bring, Frank Yallop has brought quite a few Canadians into San Jose, yeah, uh, in the past. So he's not shying away. for Did you get Why Ben not?
0: Olsen, and he seems to like the Canadians, yeah.
1: So um, essentially, I think there you go. no, please not another DC United guy. <laughs> you got Tommy Sowen all over again, uh, but. He's he's going to Toronto. Yeah, so I think Ben Fisk is one guy. I think uh, I think Caleb's going to obviously spend the whole year in Germany. And he's actually yeah, doing. He's really lighting well. it up. Yeah, there. he's, he's doing, the doing really well. And then the other guy, and this would be a very dark horse kind of pick, um, if there is a situation where Demerit's going to go because they haven't really signed him yet, and they said they're going to wait till the end of the season to make sure his Achilles is hundred percent, and they have and they move everybody up one spot like. Johnny Leveron moves up, Carlisle Mitchell moves up. There's that like the fifth center back spot. Maybe a Jackson Farmer gets signed. Um,
0: he yeah, a lot of people are hiring him. I know you had him. I like I, I do like him.
1: He's very smooth on the ball and everything. And he's already been invited to the the Canadian camp and the main Canadian camp, the national team camp. So which I was a,
0: quite surprised about. I have to say, I, mean, I was I was, really, I was a really little bit surprised. Him, too. But yeah. yeah, I was a
1: little surprised too. But obviously, a guy like uh, Nick Dasovich or. Some, some of their guys have been scouting him, so they probably saw something in him. I think he could play that fifth centre-back spot who gets loaned out to Edmonton, like Carla Mitchell did this year, and then have you know emergency call-up back. It's better than getting a guy like Adam Clement in here or anything like that. But
0: as, as an Edmonton fan pointed out to me, they just don't want whitecaps, cast-offs, or, or development players. They want to develop their own guys, and they've got their academy, and they've got guys that they want to bring through. And they don't just want to be a dumping ground for the Whitecaps to, to send their guys to.
1: No, but the thing is, if you the reason why I think Edmonton would do this is because he is a young player. But there's no guarantee he's going to be playing for them, uh, for the Whitecaps. So maybe this guy, you know, you get a good uh, relationship with him. He doesn't make it with the Whitecaps and maybe he comes and plays for Edmonton. He's still good enough to play for Edmonton. Well, yeah, there's
0: going to be so many That's, players that yeah. are... I mean, we're developing so many guys and we, we started doing our Caps in College feature on AFTN. If you haven't seen that yet, check it out. We're following the progress of all the residency graduates and NCAA and in CIS over the season. But we're producing so many... Guys, they can't all come and play for the Whitecaps. No, and we want them to go and have a career somewhere, so they need to go somewhere.
1: That's where I, the USL. The we were talking about yeah, the USL Yeah, if we, if we, we get after. this
0: USL Pro team as well, it'd be lovely just to stack it primarily with local graduated residency players.
1: Yeah, and then in the you know who, who is a late develop, late bloomer? Or yeah, because like there's going to be some. There's always a late bloomer.
0: I and I would like to see Marco Bustos be the next guy that takes the step up because. When Martin Rennie, I think it was after the LA game, was saying he needs more from the midfield, he needs needs midfielders that are actually going to go out and actually contribute and score, I immediately thought Marco Bustos, he does that, and then two days later he scored, albeit in a deflected shot, but he scored in the reserve game against Seattle. And he scored twice now in reserve games against Seattle.
1: I know a lot of people talk about how Bustos is small and everything, but I, I don't like he plays bigger than he is he he's not afraid to go into the tight spaces uh, we saw the Seattle game where he was tentative at first but then after once he got his bearings and everything like that he really put on a great show against Seattle so I I think he's got what it takes to be a player in uh, MLS he might take a couple of years to develop his uh, physicality and everything but I think he's got the right mindset for it
0: when you see all these other teams bringing on young players, it's it's kind of frustrating. And then you look at the young talent that we've got, and some of them are getting their chance, like Eric Cortado, and they're not taking their chance. Kikuta Mani, I love what he brings to the table a lot of the time, but for me, he just seems he seems way better coming off the bench. And obviously, next year is going to be his big development year, but you've got other guys lower down the pecking order. I still, I mean... I mean, who Abdallah? Why is he still here? Why is he still hanging around? Yeah, uh,
1: I don't. I I rather if they're gonna develop internationals and use those kind of spots, I would rather them develop and and bring and a couple guys for the residency, even younger, so that they don't have to take up an MLS spot. Yeah. I, I I I I think they should know, or like I said, the USL Pro team. Uh, we talked about it before. Sign them to the USL Pro team. Let them see what they got there, and then they don't even waste a contract spot for MLS.
0: I think that's fantastic, and. We'll talk about more about that when we do our round table. We'll talk more about how we see the season running going, what the future might hold in store for Martin Rennie. I've got a huge list of players I want to get rid of in the off-season, either by trades or just releasing, so we'll talk about that. But for now, that's the end of episode 18. 18's kind of a coming-of-age age in a lot of countries, especially in the UK. The next three games coming up for the Whitecaps... That's kind of going to be coming of age for them. It's going to really define their season. Who knows what's going to happen? It's going to be interesting. Hopefully the next time you hear from us, we're going to be all positive because we're going to have got a result in Dallas. But who knows? I've been your host, Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at aftnCanada. Canada. My co-host Steve, tell us where we can find you. I'm at Whitecaps Beat. You'll find us both writing for AFTN on Canadian Soccer News. Visit the blog daily on AFTN.ca going to be lots of stuff on there about the Whitecaps also about the UBC SFU seasons that's coming up. Um, they're going to have their games coming up pretty soon. We're also on Facebook. Can't remember what it is but look us up there you'll find us. And you can also listen to us on Stitcher Radio. So thanks for listening as always and until next time take care and be safe. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.